You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. I hope you are doing well out there in the crazy world that we're living in throughout 2020. I've got something that should alleviate some of the bullshit that's going on around us at the moment because it's a conversation with Phil Campbell. Phil, of course, is the longtime guitarist in Motorhead, their longest-serving guitarist, as a matter of fact. He's got a band these days with his sons, literally his sons, called Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. And there's a new album that is due via Nuclear Blast on the 13th of November, 2020, of course. So let's get stuck into the chat with the man himself, Phil Campbell. Here he is. Phil, it's Andy McKay-Smith calling. How are you? Hi, Andy. How are you, mate? I'm good. Mate, I'm plugging away. I wouldn't expect you to remember, but we've had a conversation on, on a few other occasions and we had an argy-bargy over Welsh rugby, but we definitely agreed on Galleon Kruger amplification, so I don't know whether that job... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Long time ago. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's it. So how, how have you been in between? I know you've been locked down like what we've been, mate, but you've been keeping sane? Yeah. Yeah, you know, just just... Pick up a guitar for get frustrated and hmm. thrash away or something like, you know. Just look, busy doing interviews now and uh, looking forward to the album release. Hmm. Well, I've got a copy of it, mate, and it's uh, look. You, you, someone with your pedigree, mate. You you can't release bad music, so I'll say that off. That'll be my first statement. The the album itself continues that long legacy that you established 35 years ago or so with Lemmy. It's been that long, mate, if you can believe it, you know, about half of your life or there, over half of your life or thereabouts. So, you know, we're, we're the bastards. It features your sons and also vocalist Neil Starr. Uh, so it sort of picks up, I think, where the age of, age of absurdity left off. So my first question for you, mate, about it all is I understand it was written through COVID. So can you tell me about the songwriting process? Um, yeah, basically, in, well, in, before the COVID and all that, in January, we got, we got together because we taped some sound checks last year, you know, a few odd riffs here and there. <coughs> so we, uh, we got together, I had to listen to some riffs and we made a couple of songs, we knocked them into shape and then we carried on rehearsing a few times a, a week and Todd showed up in total, I don't know, he had about six or seven songs and, and and I don't know, I'd had four or five songs and some of the boys had brought in songs. So anyway, but uh, rough, rough, say the end of February, we were all, we were all um, rehearsed and, you know, all the songs were sorted. Because we had, we, we planned last year, we hoped to, to do a new album by, to come out at the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. So um, then, uh, all the lockdown stuff started in in March. We we were all geared up to go, but luckily we we've got our own recording studio a couple of miles away. But Todd's in charge of it. He basically runs it all and everything. And uh, so we were going down there a couple of members at a time. Todd would be there, and then the drums would go down first for a few days. Mm-hmm. You know, and we could all be socially distanced. And then somebody else would go in. So we we did it our way. I don't. I think it. I'm not sure what it took about a month to to record. Mm. And 
few weeks and uh, mix. I mean, Soren Anderson mixed it. Glenn Hughes is bass player. He mixed my solo record as well last year. But Todd, That's Todd right. produced this. Yeah, yeah Todd produced this this thing. Like, and uh, he got all the big sounds, the best tones for us. So that's the way we did it. So uh, at the very least, we've come out of uh, this year with a uh, thirteen brand new songs and a cracking album. Like, great, yeah, agreed. Look, I love the album cover too because it depicts all of you sitting around partaking in the timeless pastime of an ye old ba- ye old bastards tavern. Yes, yeah. is that is that what your living room's called? Is it? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be, no, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a well, good cover. Same same guy that did uh, the first album. It's all done with points in Matt Drist. It's, it's all, everything is a point, a dot. It's called oh, pointillism, really? I think. Yeah. Oh, jeez. It's okay, taken ages. Yeah. Well, that's, that's his style of painting. Well, that suits your music beautifully because it's deceptively intricate. I've got to say, so when it when it came to the songwriting process, working with your sons as you are, and and, and of course uh, with Neil too, but were there any disagreements, and how did you sort them out? No, we just try every idea, every idea that someone comes up with. You know, if somebody says, "Oh, it sound better this way," we'll we'll try it that way, and, and we'll try it every. Nothing gets shot down. You know, mm-hmm. we try it every way, and then usually, you know, it, it's obvious which is the best way. Like you know, but um, yeah, there were a few disagreements here and there, but nothing, nothing major. You know, it's all all for the good of the song. Yeah, yeah, and the the lyrical content it sounds fairly upbeat. Is that the case? Well, that's Neil's in charge of that. I, I, some of it sounds pretty dark to me. Um, you have to really have a a good conversation with Neil about about that. He's he's not um, he doesn't come from a from a like a hard rock background. I mean, he he couldn't tell you the name of a Deep Purple album or Black Sabbath album or Zeppelin. He comes from a different school, like so. It's kind of non-standard, I guess. Some of his lyrics wouldn't be would be pretty far out from some rock song. Yeah, the hard rock stuff. Kind of okay, normalities. Yeah, that might be some what I stuff picked like, up on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah and so um, it's, I guess it's good in a way because it gives gives the band an extra, you know, an extra dimension. Like. Absolutely. Yeah, it bodes well for the future, yeah, for sure. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, and the important question, I guess I opened with it, mate, but please tell me you bought out the GK rig for at least a couple of numbers. No, no, it's still in, still in the studio, yeah. Ah, bummer. No, I just, used, I just I fell back in love with Marshalls again for, for this album. But it, the GK stuff, it's all working, it's all there. I, I, might, I might do it one day soon, now you've mentioned it. I'd love to there hear it. Yeah, I'd love to hear it because you're doing this. Someone like yourself with such a, a great collection, I really I, I enjoyed what you did with Satriani or, you know, the Satriani song, Little Worth Lane. Look, are you planning on doing more of that sort of stuff and showcasing a lot of the wonderful gear you've got? Well, I don't know. Joe, Joe just called me up about that. There was a 
really surprised. You know, he could have called many people up. But I don't know. I think he just called up six or eight people, like you know. So I was very honoured hmm. with that. And I used I used a flying V on that. It's a 1977 flying V. Yeah. So I bought it in about '79, and then I sold it in '84 to pay for um, the one that I used on the young ones that I had made. Oh yeah, which I sold in Australia, but uh, but I bought the I bought this natural V back off the guy that I sold it to in the late seventies. I bought it back off him um, about three years ago. Well, I swapped him a, a gold top for it, so he was happy. I was happy. A bit a gold top, you know. But it's you. it's not. But I used I used that for a lot of the solos on the new record. I think you can tell some. There's three or four, like, it really sounds like it's got a the flying V clunk to the solos, like, you know. For sure, yeah. And uh, the other guitar I used mainly on, on the record was, uh, I think it's it's a guitar Lemmy gave me. It's a, it's a Les Paul Special Junior Deluxe. It's one of them lightweight ones with no scratch oh, plates, yes. like, a Gary, like a Gary Moore type one. So I, I use that as well. They were the two main guitars for, for this album. So pretty basic, really. But uh, mm-hmm. you get a good, you get a good tone. Like you know, you, you're on fire. Oh yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Gary Moore there. Yeah, I, I spoke to Scott Gorham not too long. Oh god, it was a while ago now, I suppose. But oh, it, during that lead up to that conversation, I was inspired to check out uh, their performance on the steps of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, and, I, and I'm still floored every time I watch Gary Moore's performance on that particular day. Uh, yeah, I remember the I've seen that one. Yeah, I've seen it a few times. Yeah, it's, 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 it's never get fed up of seeing that, would you? Absolutely, <laughs> agreed. I, I put it on all the time. I find myself just keep on coming back because there there are so many so many uh, young rock and metal fans who don't understand Thin Lizzy and how important the band is, especially with Scott and with Gary in the band. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Gary Moore's an incredible player, like phenomenal. You know, end of story. Like we play, he can play the blues. He, he you know, he can play a yeah. lot. Yeah. Did you did you have much to do with Gary and the Thin Lizzy guys over the years? No, not a great deal. No, unfortunately, you know, Lynette Lynette came to see us a few times and uh, hang out with him for a, for a little while. Um, Robertson, yeah, obviously I met Robertson a bunch of times. Not a great deal though with the band. No, mm-hmm. it would have been good to do some touring with them, but it didn't happen. That would have been perfect. You guys and, and yeah, Lizzie, yeah, you know, it would have been a match made in heaven, mate. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. Gosh. yeah. Imagine that going ahead. It would have been, would have been chaos backstage. <laughs> but there you go. It would have been, but uh, we're going to lose to something else. Look, ever since Lemmy's death, you've released an EP or an album every year. So, and and we spoke about this last time for an interview, the last time we conducted an interview, which is that not a lot of people, I think, recognise your contribution to Motorhead, which is that you did write a shitload of the songs in the band, but you clearly must have had a lot left over too because this boundless creativity that's coming from you. I know you're collaborating with your sons and also, of course, with Neil, but a lot of it does start with you. The genesis is you. So did you have a lot of songs left over from the Motorhead days that you're still revisiting and still diving into the vault and reviewing? Um, 
there was a couple of riffs, just a couple of riffs which got thrown out with Motorhead, which uh, one of, which I put on my solo record last year. That's all. But no, the rest of it's all brand new. You know, you, you like I got a guitar sitting there in my kitchen and a and a little lamp. You know, and I might I might go and pick up the guitar. You know, three times three times a day as I'm walking past for for five minutes, but hmm. out of one of them three times or one of them days, you might something, you know, you might come up with something worthwhile, like, so, uh, I enjoy it anyway, so, you know, yeah. keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> but, well, you know, it, it gets, it gets harder over the years, or to come up with something fresh, it's cool, because so much good stuff's already been done, like, so you've got to, you've got to try hard, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I do know you've got to keep at it. I'm a writer, and I know it's the same. Well, I'm also a musician, as you know. And uh, but I find with writing in particular, which I'm willing to at the moment, you've just got to keep pushing through it. Some days it doesn't come easy, but the more you persist, the the closer you get to those golden ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You're not going to do it by not not having a goal, like you know. Correct. You got to. It's got to be hands on. Hey, I was listening to an interview that you conducted with an English chap before we got on, and you mentioned that you don't drink anymore. So my question around that is, how did you do it? Uh, I just thought that all them years was was enough, really. Uh, it took me 10 years to try and... to actually try and stop completely. Uh, mm. But I did it. I just got bored with it in the end, you know, and... Uh, I, I I didn't have hangovers anyway, so, but um, so yeah. yeah, I just got fed up with it in the end, you know. A lot of people struggle with it, you know. It's a, it's a tough one that one, isn't it? Because I know I've had my the best nights of my life. I think whilst I've been drinking, but it what it gives it tends to take away. Yeah, it, you know, the first couple of the first first period after you stop drinking, you know, it's. You think you can ever enjoy yourself again, and you're really boring, and you're really quiet. And uh, but slowly, slowly, you, you know, you you get to enjoy yourself, you know, more and more, and get do more normal things. And kind of before you before you know it, you're having the same fun as as you were when you were drinking. But then you think, shit, I'm not drinking. I just had a great time. You know, but it is difficult. It took me ten years to to finally master it. You did know, the process uh, was it? Did it involve like seeking assistance through Alcoholic Anonymous? Or yeah, I hope you don't mind me asking these questions. By the way, it's just that. No, I no, mean, no, no. Just my own. Just uh, I was coming. I didn't go to any meetings or anything like that. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good. To, you've that's you've good got to really want. Know. You've got to really want to stop otherwise you know yeah, different things of some people some people meetings would be good for them i guess you know everyone's different you know some people can do it without any support system some some people need the support system you know but it took mm -hmm. me like 10 years like from thinking about it to actually like down in tools yes you know it's a, good way to so it. a yeah, bit of a process it's the routine of drinking that shits me. You just 
you get into a routine of every every sort of three or four nights, and I don't get hangovers either, but they're just the productivity killers. You know, the next day you're just too tired. You're not hungover, you're just tired, and so you lose your motivation, and I'm trying to get that back, and I think if I have to give up drinking to do it, so be it. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, we'll try, you know, just try for a month. Go, you know, I don't know, I don't know what to say, really. You know, hmm. just gotta do what you think. It's an individual thing, you know. No, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, when I when I stopped, I I thought my I thought I thought I couldn't get my any creativity back. That's you know that crazy spark yes. when you buzz, pick up a. Oh God, Pick yeah, up an I instrument, you know, and yeah. you know, but it comes back and, and, and definitely comes back slowly, though. You know, the the, the, the know. first part's the hardest, you know, in the immediate, you know, short time when you, when you've stopped, the earlier months or weeks or years or whatever it is, it'll be the harder and it should get easier. How how long has it been there for you? Uh, about three years. Yeah, congratulations. That's I, I don't count to the day or nothing like that. I know it's, it's about three years completely, like, without one drop. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what about the uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nomination? I mean, those guys are assholes anyway, in my opinion, but they were stupid for leaving yourself and Mick off the ballot. But is it, is it even important to you to get in there? No, no. No, not not at all. Like, uh, didn't didn't bother me. We, me and Lem went to visit the place um, years and years ago in Cleveland, and uh, it must have been in its early days. And I wasn't impressed with the place at, at all. Like, you know, and some of these some of the artists get nominated in rock and roll. Who wants to be not naming any names? Who wants to be put up alongside some of these people? Like. It's just a, a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. It's a, yeah. it's a pathetic joke. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's just call it something else. Do not call it rock and roll. For Motorhead... Yeah, I got, I've got a, yeah, I've got a Grammy on my mantelpiece. That's enough for me. Yeah. And some other things. I, I don't need the Hall of Fame thing particularly. Yeah. And universally revered and loved and acknowledged by just about every rock and metal fan that ever existed yeah. as well. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's probably... The I don't think the Hall of Fame actually know anything about rock and roll, <laughs> to be honest. No, they don't. No, they don't. They're um. They're Might as well ask the lollipop lady, the lollipop <laughs> lady at the school crossing. She probably knows more. Like, she probably wouldn't, especially our local one. I think she would down at the local public school down here. From the uh, not <laughs> judging a book by its cover, but she looks like she's led a hard life, and I think she would know a thing or two about rock and roll, which Good. is exactly why we like it. You know, so, mate, I, I better make this my last question for you. Um, but are you interested in in someone writing your autobiography or helping you write that? Um, I was. I a couple of Swedish guys were interested in doing it. They've, they had some pub interest for the publisher, so they flew over for an initial meeting with me, and, uh, and they were great. These guys were great, but um, later on, I, I decided I, I didn't want to. I was just. It wasn't, it wasn't going to be an autobiography. I would just initially. Wanted it just to be all the funny stuff that happened with Moat Red, you yeah, know. But um, books, yeah. since I stopped drinking now and all that, I really, like I really not bothered about it. I've, I've, you know, I've, um, I told them it's not for me at, at the moment. 
Mm. You know, some things you just for private things anyway. You know, I don't, I don't want the whole world to know everything it is to know about me. You know, it's enough of that on social media. Agreed. Crap, yeah. you know. It's, it's get, get, you know, you've got to have your boundaries somewhere. So no, it's not going to be a book, no. Okay, good to know. Yep, good to know. Well, I say good to know because I'm, I'm I'm doing that sort of stuff at the moment and I was going to send you some of the stuff that I'd done with no hard sell whatsoever. Just say, if you wanted to think about it later on in life, well, here's an example of the work that I'm doing. And if you uh, wanted to reach out and have more of a conversation about it, then go for it. But that's, that's all I was going to do because I'm doing that. I've just graduated from university, you see. So, uh, oh, a, well, you could send, some, send something to the label guy and he'd send something on to me. I'll have a read. Oh, you you definitely made my other book, but it's about these interviews because I've conducted three interviews with you over the years and uh, they all oh, yeah. contain great stuff. And I, I love, you know, 600 interviews or so as I've done at the moment, mate. It seems crazy for me not to want to share that with the world. And it's all good stuff too, by the way, mate. You know I'm a... Uh, you, a book of interviews, is it? Uh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. It's it was, it's my thoughts and recollections on the interviews and, and how they've uh, enmeshed that's in my yeah, life. You should, you should pursue that. Sounds great. Fantastic. Well, I'll definitely send it to you then, mate. I'll send it to your label anyway, mate. And uh, uh, yeah, it'll get okay. to you. And I'd appreciate some feedback whenever it comes. But mate, I'll give, you, I'll give your... me some good quality toilet reading. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That'll make the book for sure. But uh, but look, you, but I appreciate the conversation as always, uh, Phil. Uh, thank you very much, mate. And uh, no oh, doubt, you're welcome, we'll my a, friend. We'll have a chat in the future. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully we'll we come down your way very soon. All right? Fingers crossed, mate. No worries. Thank you. Okay, take much, care, mate. my friend. Thanks, Have a brother. great evening. You too. Bye. No Catch up. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was the one and only Phil Campbell, formerly of Motorhead now. He's a part of the collective known as Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. Thanks so much for listening.